Welcome to the Boone's Creek Baptist Church podcast. We are a church that exists to spread God's glory from our neighbors to the nations. This is Pastor Tim Wade, and we pray that you will be blessed as we consider God's living, active, and all-sufficient Word together. And so this morning, as we come once more to the Sermon on the Mount, I would ask that you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Last week, we began looking at these verses, and Jesus' command for His followers to not worry. And we began last week building the the theological foundation for why, the why of not worrying. Why we should be able to be free from worrying based on the truths that are communicated to us in this passage. And I told you that this week we would consider the how of not worrying. How we can begin to put put practical uh, things into place that will allow us to be free from worry. Little did I know as I preached that sermon that within 24 hours we would be confronted with yet another national tragedy, a school shooting in Nashville, Tennessee. Only this time the targets were not simply children, but children at a Christian school, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And in the aftermath of that event this week, If I'm honest with you, I have found myself very anxious, struggling to put these things, these truths into practice that I proclaimed to you last week that I'm about to proclaim to you today. Many of you may have felt similar concern about sending your own children to school this week. I can tell you it's taken a great deal of faith This week to send my wife and my children out the door each day knowing that even as I did so, a brother in Christ, a fellow pastor, had lost his own precious daughter at a place where she should have been safe. And so I can tell you this morning, not only from experience of this past week, but based on many previous personal experiences and the experiences of friends and family that I've had extensive conversations with about this, that What I'm about to say to you about not worrying is not easy. It's not simple. But I can also confidently tell you that it works. That this is true. That we have a hope that is beyond all understanding. A hope that cannot be shaken by the events of this world, no matter how dire, no matter how heinous and evil they may be. We have a hope that remains steadfast and sure. As I said last week, Jesus does not command us to do something, in this case, not worry, that He does not also enable us to do. And so therefore, when He commands us to not worry, He also provides us with the necessary tools to combat worry and anxiety in our lives. Now this will not happen by accident, because Worry is a natural part of our lives. And so we must train ourselves to not worry. We must put into practice the God-given methods of walking in faith 
and striving for the peace that God alone can provide that he instructs us in in his word. And so therefore, this morning, I would ask that we begin with you standing with me in honor of the reading of the word of God, if you are able. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. (coughs) There Jesus says to us, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's once more bow together in prayer. God, we come before you today thankful Thankful that we have a hope that cannot be shaken by the circumstances of this world. Thankful that you've given us answers here in your word about how we can experience freedom from worry and anxiety. Lord, for the anxious person that is even now in this room, I pray that you would begin to peel back the layers of worry. Through your word. I pray that you would begin to unravel the knots that have begun to choke the life from them of worry and dread and anxiety. And I pray, Lord, that you would begin to provide the freedom that you have purchased for us through Jesus Christ, the freedom from worry that we can have and experience even now. Lord, give me wisdom as I proclaim these truths. Keep me from saying anything that is contrary to your word. And Lord, I pray that together we would grow in our understanding of what it is you expect from your people, from us, and then help us to do it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, as we begin this morning talking about how we can overcome worry and anxiety, you'll see I've listed five points there, five strategies that we can apply. Now, don't worry, I won't spend as much time on each one of those as I normally do. I know some of you, whenever you see more than three points, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, 
Better go ahead and place that order for lunch. But um, we're, we're going to move through these fairly quickly. But I do want to state from the get-go that other than the very first point we're going to talk about, the very first strategy, there's not a particular significance to the order of these. These are things that you can apply at different times in different ways. And after Easter, we're going to come back, we're going to have another sermon with five more points at least, with more helpful strategies, more helpful practices that we can apply to our lives to be free from worry. Because what becomes true to us as we read through God's Word is that God always provides His people with a multitude of resources. He gives us more tools than we need for the problems that we face. It's just left to us to apply them, to use them in our lives, to put them into practice. And so we'll look at some this week, we'll look at some in another couple of weeks. And so if you don't find these particularly helpful this morning, then come back in another couple of weeks and we'll talk about some more. And I'm confident that with these God-given tools that we can begin in our lives to unravel this knot of worry and anxiety. People are different. Some people will find that what we're going to talk about today are more helpful and some of them are less helpful. You may find that, as we'll talk about in the last point today, that going on a walk outside is calming and it's more effective in a moment of anxiety than trying to sit down and talk to yourself, which is another point we'll talk about. So don't think of these as mere boxes that you can check off in order. Rather, think of these things as divine helps, divine tools given to us by a loving and caring God who wants to see us free of worry. Remember, this is not an easy thing to accomplish. Most people who struggle with worry and anxiety wish that they didn't. They didn't choose to start worrying and they can't simply choose to stop worrying. It pounces on them. It comes upon them without their asking. And if we're honest, churches have not always been a place where people who struggle with anxiety and worry can talk freely about their struggles without fear of being shamed. But like so many struggles that Christians face, This one, too, is best addressed in the context of a loving, caring church family that wants to see you thrive in your faith, that wants to see you living the abundant life that Christ has come to provide us with and to walk in obedience in Christ's commands. And so what better place to talk about these things than in the midst of our church family? So how do we do this then? How do we do this? What practical steps can we begin to take to overcome worry? Well, first and foremost, we need to embrace good theology. Embrace good theology. This is what we covered last week. And here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spends most of his time talking about worrying uh, by giving us foundational truths to remind us of who God is and who we are. And how He loves us, how He values us and cares for us. Jesus seems to think that the cure for anxiety and worry is knowing deep down in our hearts the truths about who God is and how He loves us, how He cares for us. 
And so we have to understand this before we can go any further. Because it is only in establishing a right theological foundation that we can even begin to apply these other remedies, these other strategies. If we allow wrong thoughts about God to creep into our hearts and minds, if we begin to develop wrong expectations about what God has promised for us in His Word and what He said that He would do for us, then that can easily lead us to despair. Because we will begin to place undue expectations on God and we will get disappointed unnecessarily when God doesn't follow through on our false expectations. And so we need to understand rightly who God is, what He has promised, how He has told us to relate to Him. Contained, of course, in right theology and good theology is most foundationally the gospel. Our greatest need, the greatest, most dire need that any of us could possibly ever face, that all of us have faced, that all of us are born into this world needing addressed, is our need to be reconciled to God and forgiven of our sins. Our greatest fear and worry, the greatest fear and worry that should grip humankind should be death and hell. That worry should pervade the thoughts of humanity, and often it does. People are scared of dying. Often they can't articulate it well, but associated with that is a fear of what comes next. And outside of Christ, people are absolutely right to be worried about that. If you are outside of Christ, you should be worried about dying. You should be scared to death of hell. You should be anxious about hell. Hell is a horrendous place. It is a place of suffering, of torment, of darkness, of weeping and gnashing of teeth. A lake of fire in which you are separated from anything good or pleasant. And it never ends. This was the aspect of hell that always terrified me as a child. The the fact that it never ends. I remember a pastor describing the duration of hell like this. He said, if you could imagine a giant brass ball as tall as the ceiling in this room and just as round. And every 100 years, a dove flew by that brass ball and brushed the top of it with the tip of its wing. By the time that the dove ground that brass ball to dust, By the tip of its wing, hell would be just beginning. It is unfathomable in its duration, in its torment. And if you have never trusted Christ and you aren't worried about hell, then there's something wrong. It ought to worry you. It ought to disturb you. You ought to be anxious about it. But God, in His great mercy in His great love, has sent us Jesus to take all of that wrath, all of that suffering, all of that torment, and bear it Himself on the cross. And then on the third day, to rise again. So that we too could have eternal life. 
Listen, that's why we celebrate this week. We acknowledge today the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem to accomplish this mission. He came into Jerusalem, celebrated, embraced, and welcomed as a king. A king on a mission to rescue his people. That rescue was purchased for us on the cross on Friday. When Jesus endured the wrath of God for our sins, took all the punishment that we deserved in that eternal, awful hell, and He took it on Himself and He drank it down to the last drop and He proclaimed, it is finished, and He died. And on the third day, the basis for our hope was ratified when God raised the Son from the dead. Secure for us eternal life. Now if we start by embracing a right understanding of God, if we start by embracing the gospel, then every other need that we encounter, every other circumstance that we face in our lives that causes us anxiety, we can look back and remember who God is and what He has done for us. And it makes trusting Him in the small things So much easier when we have already trusted Him for the big need of our life. And so if you have never trusted Jesus for the big need of your life, for the forgiveness of sin and freedom from eternal torment and hell, then I would invite you to do that today. And listen, you don't have to wait till the end of this service. You can trust Christ right now where you sit. Confessing your sins to Him and embracing Him is Lord, acknowledging His resurrection from the dead and submitting your life to Him. If you need help doing that, if you need to talk to me, then then I would invite you to come without shame to the front right now and just sit here so that at the end of the service I can talk to you about how we can meet your biggest need right here and now today. Nothing else I will say today will help you until you have put your trust in Jesus Christ. But once you have, once you have done that, once you have embraced good theology, once you have trusted in Jesus Christ through the gospel, then what we find is that God's grace is sufficient for us, not only to save us, but also to free us from worry and anxiety. If it's enough to take care of the big need of our lives, it's enough to take care of the smaller needs as well. Now we know if you've been a Christian for any length of time that just because we trust Jesus that doesn't mean that all of our problems magically go away. In fact, Jesus tells us to expect just the opposite. He tells us that in the world we will have tribulation. We will have trouble. And we should expect if we embrace good theology that We live in a world that is cursed and wrecked by sin. All of those things cause us worry and anxiety. So how do we deal with them? Well, after we've got our theology lined up, after we know and understand the Bible rightly and understand who God is and who we are, then we may need to investigate if we are dealing with persistent worry and anxiety and perhaps even depression we may need to investigate medical issues. See, it's entirely possible that your anxiety, your worry may be stemming from a physical problem 
in your body or your mind that might require medical treatment. Now, there's been many Christians, admittedly, who have downplayed this and suggested that all worry, all anxiety are only spiritual issues. They've also suggested that mental and emotional struggles like depression, which is closely related to these things, anxiety and worry, is merely emotional and does not require medical intervention. But this way of thinking, I would submit, is a very new development. In Christianity, many of the most devout believers throughout the ages have recognized that emotional disorders may well have physical causes. For example, one of the most faithful Puritan writers, a man named Richard Baxter, who lived way back in the 1600s, writes this. He says, depression is simply a disease affecting the emotions and imagination Though you sense no illness, it is as expected for a depressed person to be impetuous and tormented with doubts and fears, despairing thoughts and blasphemous temptations, as it is for a man to talk incoherently in a fever when his cognition fails. And so what he's acknowledging here is the fact that we are physical and spiritual beings. And it's rare that just one part of our being is affected independently of the other. Good theology recognizes that when the world was cursed by the fall into sin, that all aspects of creation was cursed, including our minds. Now this does not mean though that we necessarily need to take every Medication, every medical intervention that a doctor may offer. I actually think that generally speaking, we are an overly medicated society. And doctors will often try to apply medication to a spiritual problem which will never work. But even so, we cannot discount that there may be real medical issues present that need to be addressed when we are overwhelmed with worry and anxiety. However, once we consider that possibility and once we're able to rule it out or address it, then we need to move on to the next step. We need to talk to God. It's amazing how often we suffer alone while God is waiting for us to come to Him with our worries. Listen, even now, God is waiting for you to come to Him with your burdens, to share them with Him. Paul exhorts the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, easier said than done, Paul. What's the remedy? What's the solution? What's the anxious or or what's the opposite of being anxious? He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So the cure for being anxious, according to Paul, is taking those requests To God with thanksgiving and supplication. Similarly, Peter tells us. He reminds us that we are to cast all our anxieties on Him because He cares for you. We're able to go to the Lord with these burdens, with these worries, with these cares and concerns because He cares for us. You see... We are not strong enough in and of ourselves to carry all our anxieties. 
But God is. And how good it is to know that we can go to a God who cares for us. A God that loves us, that values us. So when our hearts are burdened, the best thing that we can do is to take that burden to a loving father. Parents, you know this. If your child is hurting, you want your child to come to you. You may not always remove the problem for them. You're not capable of doing that in the same way that God is. But as a parent, at the very least, you want to be able to wrap your arms around your child and let them know how much you love them. How much you will be there for them no matter what. How much more then does God who is infinitely loving, who is infinitely patient, who is infinitely able to resolve our problems, long to wrap us in His presence and love and say, my child, understand that I care for you. Understand that I will not leave you alone. We need to talk to God. It really is as simple as that sometimes because we face these things and we say, okay, well, I'm going to go to the doctor and I'm going to get this medicine and I'm going to do this and that and I'm going to practice certain breathing rhythms and all these things. And we never just talk to God. And this is the place where Scripture would commend us to start. (coughs) Sometimes, though, after we talk to God, we also need to talk to ourselves. Talk to yourself. You may be looking at this saying, okay, what's this all about? Well, what is worry and anxiety if it's not us listening to ourselves? You hear that voice in the morning when you wake up just reminding you of all the things that have gone wrong in the past week and all the things that's probably going to go wrong today as soon as your feet hit the floor. That person at work that just is really waiting to make your life miserable. It is their life's mission and ambition to see to it that you have a bad day. And you're anxious about seeing them. And, and, and your mind starts rehearsing all of these things and you didn't ask it to. But you're listening to yourself. You're listening to yourself and you're giving in to this cycle of thought that's unhealthy. Often, our suffering would be alleviated if we would simply stop listening to ourselves and begin talking to ourselves. Remind ourselves of the theological truths that Jesus reminds us of here in the Sermon on the Mount, that God cares for me, that God will meet my needs. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the Welsh pastor commenting on Psalm 42, says this about the need to talk to yourself. He says, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but there they are talking to you. They bring back the problem of yesterday. Somebody's talking. Who's talking? Yourself is talking to you. Now this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul, he asks. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment, I will speak to you. So we need to talk to ourselves. We need to remind ourselves 
of the precious promises of God contained in His Word. We need to remind ourselves of the Gospel. I've always heard that you're not crazy if you talk to yourself. You're only crazy if you answer yourself back. So, talk to yourself. Say to yourself, this situation is not as bad as I think it is. You've gotten through things like this before. You will get through it again. Remind yourself of the song that was just sung up here. Jesus was in the fire. He was in the sea with His people. He is with me even now. Talk to yourself. Tell yourself those things. Remember. Remind yourself. God has already paid for my sins. He's already solved my greatest need on Calvary's cross. How much more small and insignificant is this need right now than that was? God has already forgiven me of my sins. He has called me His child. He will not abandon me now. These are things that we need to tell ourselves, that we need to talk to ourselves, remind ourselves of. And in doing that, we are then able to begin to take control of our emotions. But next, and finally this morning, Jesus alludes to something here in the Sermon on the Mount that I think would be very helpful for all of us to practice. And that is simply this. Go outside. Go outside. Here in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus invites us to consider concrete examples. He says, look at the birds of the air. Look at the lilies of the field. Well, how is it that you can contemplate birds and lilies unless you're out looking at birds and lilies? It's a simple thing, but one that I think we should take serious. Jesus recognizes how healthy this is for our souls. Christians in all ages have found solace and comfort out in creation. It's worth noting here, I think, that When God made the very first people, He didn't make them a house and place them in the middle of it. He made them a garden and placed them in the midst of it. Because it's out in the middle of God's creation that you can realize the great power of God. The immensity of all that He has made. And the smallness of all our problems. Perhaps my favorite living author is fellow Kentuckian Wendell Berry, and he writes of this idea. He says, When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. And for a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. The best thing then that I think a stressed and worried person can do is turn off the TV, close down the computer, turn off your phone, set it inside, And go for a walk into the peace of wild things. 
Go and observe what God has made. Go observe the flowers that He's caused to grow, the birds that He feeds in the trees, the majesty of His creation. Yet often when we're stressed, we tend to do just the opposite. When we're worried and anxious, what do we do almost automatically without thought? We pull out our phones. We start scrolling. We plunge into a world of self-indulgence. I would submit to you that this is the single most unhealthy, unhelpful thing that we can do. By now, the data is overwhelming. Cell phones are without question harmful to our mental health. There's no expert that you can find that would dispute that. And especially to the mental health of our children. Study after study after study has confirmed this. I want to quote here just one from the National Library of Medicine. Some official sounding government group, right? They say mobile device use has been found to have a negative effect on people's mental health. In children, excessive mobile phone usage can result in compulsive buying Low mood, tension, anxiety, and leisure or boredom. There's a more general link between excessive mobile phone use and other mood disorders. These conditions have been found to be comorbid in which fatigue, anxiety, and depression can be linked as both cause and effect of the other. This suggests that excessive mobile phone usage can create a self-perpetuating link between usage and mood disorders. End quote. What all this is saying is that what we tend to do when we're feeling bad is get on our phones. And our phones, in turn, make us feel bad. So we go back to our phones. And it's a downward spiral. We're poisoning ourselves, we're making ourselves more anxious, more worried, and we're creating little anxious people by giving these same devices to our children. These devices are little... Mirrors that we stare into to see a distorted view of ourselves and the world around us. They force us to focus inwardly on ourselves. Whereas what Jesus invites us to do here in the Sermon on the Mount is He says, go outside, look at things beyond yourself. Look at things that you've got no control over. Simple things, flowers, Birds, and consider your God who made them all, who feeds them all, who clothes them all. Go into the peace of wild things. Turn off your phones, go for a walk. I think this would be a very simple thing that we could do that would help relieve the stress and anxiety that so many of us feel. But as we wrap up today, I just want to remind you Some of these things will be more helpful for some of you than others. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about other things, other simple practices that we can take here from Matthew chapter 6 and elsewhere in Scripture where Jesus gives us the tools that we need to combat worry and anxiety in our lives. It's such a prevalent thing. It's such a common thing. As we said last week, nearly 7 in 10 adults report feeling this way. Four in ten adults will feel will report feeling debilitated by this. But God doesn't leave us alone in our worry. He doesn't want us to remain in our worry. This is not what He designed us for. 
But know this first. Freedom from worry must begin, as I said at the beginning, with understanding the grace that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. It's where it all begins. Yes, you can go out on a walk and enjoy the woods. There's many naturalists out there that are still racked with worry because their soul has not been reconciled to God. Because they have not experienced the grace through Jesus Christ that frees them from sin and from their fear of death and hell. If you have not experienced that grace today, if death and hell remain a source of worry and dread for you, then you can have freedom from that today. All of these other things, all of this worry and anxiety, it might take us our entire lives to fight against, to push back against. But God will give us assurance of heaven in an instant when we trust in Him. And so if you would like to do that today, if you would like to confess Jesus Christ, then I would invite you in just a moment to come and and let me share with you from God's Word how you can do that, how you can receive that peace and assurance of heaven today. How that fear of hell can disappear. You can leave it behind and not have to carry it with you any longer. Let's pray. God, we come to You today thankful for the precious remedies that You have given us in Your Word combat worry, to combat anxiety. Lord, I know that that we all must deal with this from time to time. And I know that, that some here may even be disappointed because we are looking for some silver bullet, some magic remedy, some magic words that we can say that will cause our stress and anxiety to disappear. But Lord, that's not what you've given us. Instead, you've given us simple, accessible means by which we can daily walk more faithfully in faith and obedience to you. You've given us the birds and the flowers that we can go and walk among and see. You've given us the great trees that tower overhead and the stars in the night sky that remind us of our own smallness. Lord, You've given us Yourself who we can come and talk to. And You've shown us in Your Word how we sometimes need to address ourselves to quiet our souls. Lord, I pray that You'd give us wisdom to apply these well. And I pray most of all for the one racked with fear of hell. Lord, I pray that You would today remove that fear from them through a knowledge of their hope in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that You would save them, forgive them of their sins, and cause them to walk in the newness of life that You have purchased for us. Lord, may You do all these things, accomplish all these things according to Your will and Your pleasure. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about today's sermon or would like more information about Boone's Creek Baptist Church, you can send us an email at boonscreekchurch at gmail.com or you can give us a call at 859-263-5466. You can also find us online at www.boonscreekchurch.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.